like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. You want some sexy? You want to laugh? License to talk. License to Talk is brought to you by Goodspeed Beverage Center, 2202 Seneca Street. They got seltzers, heavy beers, light beers. They got those little splits you can chug. Quench your thirst at Goodspeed Beverage Center. Don't forget to check out First in Buffalo, Fireman owned and operated, 391 Abbott Road, custom t-shirts, custom hats, custom designs. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue, Serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town. Try the ham sub. Tell them license and talk sent you. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. 2182 Seneca Street. You gotta see the action there on Seneca Street. They got bottles. They got cans. They got ales. They got everything. The Rocket is stocked and ready to rock. Get in touch with them and book your private party now. Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Check them out on the gram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Custom decals, vinyl stickers, custom designs created by our boy Quails at Vinyl Vibes. Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. Great fish fries, great food, great service. Check out the sunsets. It's going to be rocking out on the patio. Get in touch with them to book your private party now. Don't forget about Dog Ears Bookstore, South Buffalo's nonprofit bookstore and cafe, located at 688 Abbott Road. Don't get your coffee from Miles, you can get it from Tommy. All right, Marky, episode 65. We are joined by the candidate for Erie County Sheriff. He was a Buffalo police officer from 1994 to 2019. John Garcia, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Uh- it's a pleasure to be here. We always respect law enforcement, and John has quite the story that we're going to hear today. John, you were born in 1962 in Spain. Yes, I was born in uh, northern Spain in 1962, and, um, you know, I. Um, it's not a unique story. It's not a special story, but it, it, it did give me uh, this uh, tenacity and personality that I have today, and uh, I'm very thankful for the journey that I went through. A, a long journey and you come here at three years old with brothers and sisters to black rock and uh your dad fought in the spanish american or spanish civil war spanish civil war yeah yeah he uh he uh so it was interesting back then in spain in 1936 it it it, it depended where you were in what region <clears throat> of spain uh when the war erupted and so you know um similar to the uh our, our civil war here in the u.s uh, it was brother against brother and uh, and family against family and uh, yeah yeah he uh, it was a brutal war and it was kind of the uh, they use you know the Germans and uh, use kind of the new um, blitzkrieg uh, techniques that they they later uh, later used in World War Two and the uh, you know the uh, the bombing of cities um, like uh, you know the famous Picasso. Uh, painting uh guernica and stuff like that they they bombed cities where before world war one they they fought in trenches but outside the cities they wouldn't destroy the civilian uh you know populations you know so, so it was but, almost a precursor to world war ii almost set the stage 
absolutely the the carpet bombing of uh, of cities and uh, the terror bombings and so forth that they let later used in you know London and England uh, they utilized that in Spain so you know it took a long time to rebuild so by 1962 uh, Spain you know was still uh, it's kind of interesting you know I mean after World War two you got Mussolini you know uh, dragged through the streets killed you got Hitler, you know, committed suicide, the third fascist dictator, Franco was there. And uh, I think the, from, you know, what I've read over the years and so forth, the Allies probably figured better to have, you know, a known sort of uh, friend of me than uh, the, the communists on, that were coming to, you know, uh, from the East. So they left Franco there from uh, 1936 and he died in 1975. As Saturday Night Live told us, you know, <laughs> Franco <laughs> is finally dead or yeah, is still dead. <laughs> what, what was your uh, father's like post? So, you know, um, my, my father worked in communications because um, his father, uh, it was, you know, in a small town in Spain um, where they, my dad was born called Romales. Uh, my uncle kind of was the, the mayor, he had the, the cinema, and uh, he ran the post office, so my dad learned how to do uh, the Morse code, and uh, it was kind of the, you know, the only way to really communicate quickly back then. So um, when the, uh, the war hit, he, uh, he was brought into communications, and, uh, and, uh, but he was on the nationalist uh, uh, front, which was the losing side of the war, it was the uh, the government that was in place when the war war hit, and then. Uh, but interesting story was um, he he didn't have a uniform because uh, he worked in communications. So when he was captured, uh, uh, they they put all the guys in line and um, and they they sent them out to work camps depending on what region you were from, you were exiled from that region. So let's say you were from Western New York, then you would be exiled, you go to Ohio and vice versa. So my dad's in line and um, he saw the, the guard go up and he was um, uh, arguing with one of the other prisoners in line and, and my dad said, uh, could I use the restroom? And he went to the restroom and he looked at the window and it was, he's like, you know, my dad was like 6'4 and wide shoulders. He goes, I'm not getting out of here, you know. So he went back and, you know, they were still kind of arguing. So he walked out the front door. What? Yeah, he walked out the front door and uh, <laughs> and that was it. But his brothers, uh, yeah, did a lot of, uh, let's say, construction. <laughs> And then did he come here because the factories or the canal? Exactly. You know, work, work, yeah. like, you know, everybody's family. And that's why I say it's not a unique story. It's not a special story. But um, 65 in Spain, economy still crap. So my my family's, um, my, my mother's family had come before in the 19. Uh, 40s and 50s and uh, everybody was working over Bethlehem Steel and you know Buffalo's booming mm -hmm. uh, you come on a Monday you got a job on a Tuesday so you know for my parents and my uncles and aunts and stuff I mean that's a dream oh my mm -hmm. god you could put food on a table mm -hmm. you know I, I talked to my brothers and I'm uh, I'm the youngest of five and uh, seven years you know younger than my uh, oldest brother uh, and uh, 
kind of the oops baby. And, you know, I tell them about this dad and, uh, and they're like, you know, dude, you're the only one born in a hospital. Okay. So stop. And I go, so I gotta, I gotta hear that every, every holiday, you know, uh, how, you know, special I am and spoiled because I was born in a hospital and everybody else got, you know, uh, my, my aunts were the midwives and they got oh born God. at home. Yeah. It's just, you say this isn't a unique story, but it's like people tearing it down and rebuilding it. Yeah, it's, like it's, uh, we, it just I, sounds I, tough. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds I like mean, the grapes of wrath. Like. Exactly. Exactly. My, you know, and they, uh, my, my family, you know, there was not, there was many, many nights and many days in Spain where there wasn't a lot of food to go around. So, I mean, there was rations and you know, you wait in line and you know i look at it now i my my god i'm so blessed you know sure. and my kids all so you know i this is the american dream this is the american dream and that's why but it, i i very much appreciate what they did and and it's still in me you know mm-hmm. that that i i don't take it for granted at any point you know um and believe me my parents would never uh, let me forget if I s- complained about something, my shoes being too big because, you know, they were given to me by my oldest brother. You know how you used to wear your, yeah, yeah. your oh, oldest yeah, brother's clothes, the hand-me-downs, hand, hand and uh, I'm like, oh, these shoes are too big. Well, there's kids in Africa that have no feet. I'm like, you know, how can you argue with that, you yeah, know? Right. And uh, we were poor, and I did you know, I, but I didn't know we were poor. We always very happy family get-togethers, but... Um, you know, uh, we were so poor. How <laughs> poor were you? We were so poor that, you know, my mother would, um, cut holes in our pants on Christmas Eve. So on Christmas day, we had something to play with. That's how, uh, <laughs> that's, good. that's how poor we were. So you get over here and we were talking earlier, you get a little humbled and we always say this, you got into the restaurant business working at a young age. Where kids now, I mean, I you can't find places. Ted's today. Ted's closed because they couldn't find workers. You know, tell us about when you got in and you got humbled, and now you're now you're a part of an American story here. Absolutely, I I'll tell you. I think the the restaurant business. Um, every young man and woman uh, should work in it. It 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 just gives you um, an insight to human nature and. Uh, you know, and just being a good person, you know, mm-hmm. being courteous, respectful. You listen to stories and, you know, you, you just never know what's going on in people's lives. And uh, it's so interesting. But from the age of 14, um, I worked at Oliver's Restaurant. It was a f- family business. And, uh, you know, I, I did whatever was needed. You know, I'd be scrubbing pans in the basement, bringing up big cans of, you know, tomatoes or whatever for the for the chefs. When I turned uh, 16, I was finally legal to work, and uh, I think I started getting paid, you know, <laughs> by then. And uh, I was a busboy, and it was just so cool. I mean, it gets in your blood, the restaurant business. Absolutely loved it. And um, so when I, Grant, when I was going to Buff State, um, it, the hours were perfect. You know, I would work you know, five to closing or whatever restaurant, you always had money in your pocket. You know, my friends were waiting to get paid on, you know, Thursday. And I just had to make sure that I, I went home and not stopped at a <laughs> local gin mill on the way home, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was great. Absolutely great. What a great experience. Uh, 
worked at the uh, Roman Ellis Roseland for years, uh, learned how to cook table side, made flaming coffees. Um, one of uh, my the, the great parts of the restaurant business is some of the, you know, at the time I was 18 and 19, I see Jill Perrow walk into <laughs> yeah. the Cloister restaurant and I'm a busboy. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, this is my hero. You yeah. know, he's right there. And then when they had the filming of um, the movie, uh, the Paul Newman movie, um, The Natural, The Natural in Buffalo, Robert Duvall, everybody. Well, Morgan Fairchild at, at the time, she was very, very attractive, very hot. And she was dating one of the camera people. And, and she came into uh, dinner all the time. And, you know, we always fought to clear her <laughs> plates, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's many levels. There's, there's different, uh, like, levels of the restaurant business. And they're not really, like, titles. It's just like, yeah, I'm the bus boy, but, you know, I got a little bit more respect than the other guy. You know, it, there's, like, so many levels in the restaurant business. I yeah. had a kid the other day that they thought he was there to work in the back. With the kitchen, because he's a kitchen guy. He goes, uh-uh, boys, I'm a bar back now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, he's, yeah. and he went like this with the money, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's like dish, dishwasher, uh, bus boy, but when you get the bar back, then there's like the eyes start because, hey, if I play this right, I could be a bartender. One. Oh. And then there's people that you're like, we're never going to show him the front of the house. Yeah. He'll love it too much. Yeah. And he'll, he'll never it. be back here with us. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I and I have uh, I mean, I know people that uh, they stayed in the bar business their whole life. They love it. They absolutely love it. My my brother, Paul, um, he's 68 years old. He's still bartending part time because he loves it, uh, was working at Chevy and he uh, he quit to continue working in the bar business. Wow. I mean, it's and it as you gentlemen know, it's it gets in your blood. Yeah. And it's just fun. You see your friends, you see other people. It takes a certain person, you know, to do it. But that really helped me on the police job because, you know, you could really de-escalate situations by just talking to people. And in the restaurant business and in the bar business, we've seen a lot of, let's say, you know, characters, characters, <laughs> issues right. within families. Scenarios. Oh, yeah. Right. And you don't say anything. You hold it. You know, it's like, I see it. Absolutely. You don't say anything, you know. <laughs> I always say there's a reason why the bartender lives in the Old West. He shuts his mouth. <laughs> Great quote. <laughs> so you talk about the police. When does the police thing come up? Do you, do you get encouraged to take the test? Yeah, this Is sounds it? like a departed thing. You're working at Roselands and then you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's that's funny. I you know, I always enjoy you know my dream job if I had a dream job as a, as a kid I would be a third baseman that could hit the ball you <laughs> yeah. know like Brooks Robinson he was my hero but you know um, I always enjoyed um, uh, I, I, I love the police shows and everything else and I, I, I just thought it'd be a great career you know as a public servant and uh, so I took the uh, Buffalo police exam you know, I, kind of on, on a whim, I, I didn't expect to uh, really hear back. I didn't know really how it worked. And I got a call, and uh, I went through the, you know, the physical, the uh, the running, and all the other uh, physical stuff. And uh, in, in typical Buffalo Police banner, they call me, 
I was going to work that night um, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Roseland, and I got a call, and they told me, hey, can you come in tomorrow and get sworn in? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll be there tomorrow morning, <laughs> yeah. you know? But, um, and then I, I've never looked back. I've met wonderful people, absolute heroes. Uh, they, do, you know, people that do stuff every day that it just goes unnoticed because it's, it might not mean much to, uh, it wouldn't be like something exciting to put on a TV show, but it made a difference in, in people's lives. And I, it's just endless amount of great people. Um, be it Buffalo uh, police officers, uh, the suburban officers, the sheriffs, Buffalo firemen running into a burning house, pulling out a kid, doing CPR. I'm just, wow, amazing. Marky's fireman. Right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. But, yeah, like, uh, you know, bringing that mentality of if you got time to lean, you got time to clean, you know, that's – and then, like, along with, like, the personality, you know, it, it probably just makes you a good cop you know yeah i think really every kid should take uh, a summer and do some sort of restaurant work you know be it in the kitchen mm-hmm. when it's hot and people are like <laughs> losing their mind like every cook and chef i work with was nuts you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely kitchen but, gypsies that's what yeah. we're oh, kitchen yeah. gypsies yeah give me a pitcher of uh, vodka and tea for uh, the uh, chef <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah but you know it's hot back there and and, and 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 things happen and everybody's yelling at each other but afterwards oh man and it's I just mean, like being a cop then right i mean, yeah, I mean yeah. kind of Absolute, the camaraderie there. Absolutely. You scream and yell at each other, but then you got to laugh about it. You have to laugh <laughs> yeah. about it. And you tell stories afterwards how wonderful it was. It really wasn't. <laughs> you threw you threw a plate of lasagna at me. You know, <laughs> I'm there, man. <laughs> so where did you start off when you got to the police in 94? I started at uh, the theater district, as it was called, Precinct 3. And, um, and then it, it, it consolidated with... Uh, some other uh, precincts there, Precinct 4 and, and 5. So I worked a lot on the Lower West Side, which was um, helpful for me and helpful for the people I served because uh, being bilingual, I, I was able to, uh, you know, um, communicate. Oh, it's a huge deal, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 when people are trying to explain yeah, what's going on. <laughs> you ever get called to other districts? I got called to other districts. Yeah. I got called uh, by other agencies from the FBI to DEA. It's really incredible uh, how many people uh, requested a Spanish-speaking officer. Mm-hmm. And the funny part is I would show up, and they would say, hey, where's the Spanish-speaking officer? <laughs> I don't know, a guy named Garcia? Maybe? <laughs> exactly, right. But I think sometimes they look at me, and they're like, Thinking maybe I would be a little bit more tan or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, you had a normal size head, like so my, you, uh, you couldn't. Uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just yeah. like, yeah, the guy with the big head's coming in. That's I think him. they expected my uh, lesser-known uh, cousin Andy to show up. You yeah. Know, I heard he <laughs> Who was, was on, on the show. Sh- yeah. yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, our, he's a yeah. A buddy on the coast. Yeah, Louie really hooks that up. <laughs> so when, when do you start? Maybe I should take this test. Lieutenant, do you go lieutenant? Do you go all the way up ranks, or how did that work for you? So you know, I, I'm working, and I, you know, I, I'm proud to say that the time I spent on the police department, I spent working, and uh, I always found myself in the middle of something or other. And uh, my dream job on the department was being a detective, which is what, you know, I took the test for detective and. 
and for the lieutenant. And when the lieutenant's uh, uh, promotion came around, I turned it down. And I remember the inspector who called me that day was kind of surprised. And I said, I, I enjoy being a detective. I was working in narcotics and vice with a great group of people, um, a lot of uh, really intelligent people because they have large brains like uh, uh, Dan Redman and his <laughs> large head. But, you know, I was um, having a, a great time, and um, I found my, my niche. I went on to work homicide and um, in, in, in homicide and narcotics, you, you learn a lot about uh, not great stuff that you want to talk about at home. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of human suffering. Uh, when, when people talk about opiate epidemics and they talk about suicides and stuff, I, I, I could feel it with all my senses, you know, because I've been there when the body was on the ground and you know, you're smelling, you're seeing, you're hearing the cries from the family. It really sticks with you. You know, it's it's in my it's in my soul. So I really, I mean, uh, um, it 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 changes your 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 view upon uh, life and and um, the suffering that's going out there. You know, so um, I I became the uh, commander of the hostage management team. Um, you know, obviously, because of my background in the restaurant business, being able, being <laughs> able to talk down. to people. Yeah. And, and what's the most important part of uh, hostage negotiation? Listening. Mm -hmm. Listening. You have to listen. And uh, I remember one of my uh, fir first times that I spoke with somebody, and uh, the, the coppers there were saying, watch, John's going to say something really wonderful. And I said, hey, my name's John. I'm with the police department. What's going on today? And you listen, and that's the the key to being a good negotiator is listening because people are at their darkest moment. They're thinking about ending their life, and uh, there's nothing magical you could say. you got to listen. So um, that was um, – I, I don't want to say I enjoyed it. Um, I just want to say I think I um, – uh, it, it was a good position for me because we had a very successful, peaceful outcomes. Right. How did, uh, as you got older, how did technology really help you here? Because you oh. see a lot of the toys you guys got now. Incredible. Incredible. It's just uh, mind-blowing, the, uh, the great uh, innovations and in, uh, technology and in, in law enforcement, and it's... Uh, it saves lives and it saves it saves time. You know, you think of all those really smart detectives from years gone by in the 40s and 50s. They had everything on their little notepad, and when they left, all that intelligence and brain power and left with them. But now, I mean, everything is documented. It's you know the computers in the cars. It tells you you know uh, as you're walking up to the car who the person might be, are they wanted, you know, whatever. And, uh, and now the, uh, the body cameras, body cameras are now um, witnesses in, in trials and hearings. Are body cameras going to kill the it's, it, court time for officers? That, they're just going to refer to the body camera after a while, aren't they? Well, I, th I think, you know, uh, there's going to, with, with that, that's an economic, you know, Yeah, issue. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's an economic issue that the, the, the you know the prosecutors and stuff are going to have to are probably going to cut 
the officers' times, but at the end of the day, I think they really want to talk to the person that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a communicator. It's easier probably to get that person and then just put up something that happened in a split second. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's it's hard to explain it, you know, and, and, and we watch some of the, these videos on, on TV and stuff, but, you know, there's nothing like the individual that was there to really tell the whole story of what's right what happened um so yeah you know the the body cameras um some of the technology with uh some of the less lethal weapons uh when i started it was you know you started off by de-escalating with your voice then you move on to uh you know your hands uh then your nightstick then pepper spray came about you know Mm -hmm. and um you know at the end, it would be your 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 gun. I was uh, blessed that in 25 years of law enforcement and some really hairy situations that I never had to discharge my firearm, and I thank God for that. Oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, like you were talking about how, like, footage and everything, and it's, like, so easy to, like, go back and rewind and stuff. like. But, like, being in split-second situations, you've been in, in them, I'm sure. And it's, like, some we had a situation in Buffalo, and it's, like, People don't realize that, like, a split second is a, really a split second. And it changes everyone's life, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it changes everyone's life. I, uh, You know, I saw that, um, that uh, let's call it the uh, Gugino incident, you know, in mm-hmm. Niagara Square. I saw that. And I thought to myself, you know, you, you have a square full of people. Most of them left. And then you have a couple left over. Um you know, you know, when you send in your emergency response team, they train in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and what they did was correct. Um, I think, you know, the, the top brass, the top brass that, you know, sent, sent these uh, very brave uh, officers in to uh, do their job, you know, they could have just sent in a, a negotiator and say, hey. Yeah. You know, I was wondering, and I was thinking about that today. Do you think you may see that this summer? If, if God forbid, if something starts happening like that, and we just have the Groundhog Day and protesting and protesting, mm-hmm. wouldn't it have been easier? And, and I'm glad you brought this up to send a guy down there like you. All right, put your people here. Let's talk about this. Absolutely, we need to, we need to talk about this. Let's. We're not going to burn City Hall or any of this. Communication is key, and I don't. I think one side wants to, and the other side doesn't. I'm, Maybe on the, pitter, you know, back and forth too. That it adjusts. Sometimes this side wants to talk, this side doesn't. No, I, I, I think you have a very good point. Um, in, in, in that instance, I wasn't there, but you know, from my experience, what I think would have been best, uh, sir, for everyone would be to have someone go up to these individuals that were protesting, and were at that point you know, violating a, a curfew that was set by the mayor. And, you know, a negotiator could have said, gentlemen, you, you have to leave um, or you will be arrested. And at some point, if they don't leave, um, you know, you, you, you call over a, a police officer, you tell the guy to turn, turn around, put his hands behind his back, and you lock him up, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever. But, you know, when the brass sends in the emergency response team, they only train in a certain manner. Mm-hmm. So what they did was what justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you can't, you know, you can't expect them to do anything different. So um, I was appalled when when you know they uh, 
were charged for doing what they trained to do and that what they were ordered to do. Well, that's right. the big difference that a lot of people don't understand. S- people follow orders. My my father was in the federal government. He goes, follow orders. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope I hope he was a better negotiator than your father. <laughs> <laughs> he had a negotiation at the time once. Again. My my father had a negotiation on the Peace Bridge, and he ended up knowing the guy. The guy was going to jump, and it was freezing out and snowing and everything. And he said, "Listen, asshole, either jump or get down. I'm freezing." <laughs> so that was the last time Dad negotiated. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, matter of fact way. Yeah, I, I I didn't see that in any of the uh, textbooks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, everybody's been telling me, I've run into a lot of retired guys and friends of yours, you're a man's man, a street cop, a guy that will always have the officer's back, camaraderie. Let's take us back. We talk about a split second. You had a little incident. I I don't know. Not a little little incident. incident. (laughs) A a shooting. You were involved in a shooting. What year did this take place? So that was um, February 1st, 2010. And uh, I, you know, I remember the uh, the day very well. It was a cold February day, sun's out, blue skies, but just cold where the, the snow is ice. And uh, I was having my uh, taxes done. So I'm like, well, I wonder how much I'm getting back this year, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my phone started uh, uh, buzzing, and it was a flip phone, obviously. And uh, they had a uh, barricaded individual over on, Trinity Street, Trinity Street by uh, um, Hutch Tech High School, and I was getting my taxes done downtown. So I was one of the first people to, to get there, and um, you know the guy was having a really bad day, uh, and the way it came about was uh, his employer uh, hadn't seen him in a while, so they called the uh, police department and the police officers. Uh, two veteran officers um, responded, uh, Danny O'Neill and Jeff Mott, who may rest in peace, uh, responded. And um, and he, the, the guy took a shot at, at them and the fire, uh, the firefighters from Buffalo that were going to do an uh, uh, entry to check on, on, on the individual to see if he was still alive or not because he didn't answer his, his boss, his wife, and so on and so forth. So the guy had a shotgun, and now he's saying he's going to, you know, harm himself. He's going to kill himself. So they called the, uh, the hostage team, and they called the, the you know, the uh, SWAT. And, um, you know, tried to negotiate with him for a while. Uh, one, one of the things I remember from that day is uh, we always tried to uh, talk to family to f- figure out what, the person's all about and what's going on in their life so i called his um his mom and he was from new york city this guy i called his mom and she's working at the statue of liberty building and uh we're talking and um and i said hey this is bad you know can you tell me something about your son this and that she goes well um i'll call you back when i'm on break (laughs) i i know i know it's 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 terrible but it, it goes to show you you know it's just that That's we're what, blessed, that we were raised, I don't know, raised right or whatever, but I, we had a little bit more support, I'd say. You know? Right. So this is what we're dealing with. And, uh, of course, we were just talking about equipment. Our equipment failed. It was cold out. It wasn't working properly. We were in an abandoned house in the front. It was like two degrees. 
So they decided to uh, get the Bearcat, which is the armored SWAT vehicle, and bring it up next to the house. And I could communicate through a bullhorn, which isn't really the optimal communication device because you sound angry on a bullhorn. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah try to sound mm-hmm. like you have any kind of empathy, you know, yeah, with a right. bullhorn, yeah. right? So um, I go to get in the, uh, the, uh, the, the Bearcat, and I have to go about three feet uh, without cover. And um, as I step from behind the garage into the Bearcat, um, I get shot in the face with, uh, thank God, it was uh, uh, birdshot. And not, a, you know, a, a slug or something because he was alternating with uh, both of them. So um, it, I'm on the ground. I'm like, what just landed on my head? You know, my face felt on fire. I thought like a window fell out of somewhere and, and, and just cut my whole face. And I'm just, everything's in slow motion. I'm on the ground. And, uh, and then I, I, I hear, you know, the firing back and forth. Uh, between Swan and this guy, and I try to get behind uh, the um, the Bearcat, but it, you know it's icy and stuff. And then um, all of a sudden, I have two angels in in, in front of me, uh, uh, Dan Redman and Cedric Holloway, and they uh, they drag me um, uh, behind the uh, garage. And what I wish they would have done was flip me on my back instead of dragging me on my face. But you know, <laughs> they drag me. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, they stand me up. They stand me up. They look at me, and they go, oh, my God. So when, you know, you work with guys. And, yeah. you know, and when you see that oh, shit look on, on, on your friend's face, you're like, oh, my God. Am I the elephant man right now? Because yeah. my face was burning. My ears were hanging down. And, um, you know, I wear these really sexy uh, hearing aids to now, you know. You couldn't even tell? No. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was very lucky, and I, I thank God every day, and uh, I thank those guys for their bravery. They went um, and, you know, on, on, there was no cover. They could have been shot. So I, I thank them, and uh, ECMC, and uh, here I am today. So And you got right out that night? Did I see that in the news story? I did. Um, That's something else. Yeah, yeah. How many guys would have sat there and milked it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I went in there, and uh, my face just swelled up like crazy. And uh, and and uh, they're like, we, we can't do surgery on you today. Uh, so they did surgery about a week later when the swelling went down. The interest, interesting part about that, it, it might have been about four or five days after, was um, this individual's lost his life in this incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we always hope for a peaceful re- resolution, but when somebody wants to take their life, there's nothing, you know, you can do. This guy's brother, who was very cooperative with us that, that day and gave us really good info on, 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 on this gentleman and how much he loved his children and so forth um he went to uh the funeral and he he drank too much and he got in the car and he drove down to police headquarters and he smashed into a buffalo police car that was occupied by this um, veteran police officer dan Watkins, and 
after he smashed into the car, this guy gets out with a gun and walks over to the driver's side, pointing his gun at the police officer. The police officer realizes it's not a real gun. Oh, wow. Thank God. Isn't that incredible? I mean, how many times, you know, around the country are we criticizing the police for this and that and the other thing? And there's so many untold stories of, you know, bravery. Knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if he would have shot this guy and then Monday morning quarterbacks would have said, oh, yeah, you guys aren't trained to tell if it's a real gun or a fake gun? Wow. It just ran into me. right? a split second. And and this guy's realizing this. Yeah. So then this guy gets back in his car. A car pursuit begins from, you know, Franklin and Church. And this guy's driving down all these streets and they're flying around. And he ends up at 57 Trinity where everything started. Wow. Man. And, yeah. And then he's taken into custody. And then he's taken into custody. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, his grief combined with alcohol, he made very poor decisions. But he's very fortunate that he didn't kill the police officer. And he's Mm -hmm. very fortunate that the police officer realized it was a fake gun and didn't shoot him. Right. Yeah. That could have just been another whole situation. Split second. Yeah. Split second, right? Yeah. And that's what life's about. Split second. And it's wild. Yeah. Because, like you said, the Monday morning quarterback, you know, even how we're talking about how the responses should have been to certain things, you just don't know. It's like proactive, reactive. You know, that's how these departments are. And, like, you always want to be proactive, but you can't see all the future. You can't see it. We're, yeah. We we can't control everything, you know. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, as police officers, we I think there's a lot of a uh, uh, you know a type personality in the police department, and we want to control everything, but you can't control everything. No, you can't. No, you can't. Some people are just made to be police officers too. I think like there are just people that just have been that way. They never change, and then they become police officers, and they find their way, and you're like, this is beautiful because it's just that, yeah. it's right up your alley. And there's hundreds and hundreds of calls that, that go out in the city of Buffalo every day, and, and and so much good work that's done and throughout the whole county, and we don't talk about that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, you, you always want to dwell on the bad stories. I do like to see, you know, like uh, a kid that I used to coach, a Hamburg police officer, Brett McCabe, just a great story about buying a kid a birthday gift and stuff like that, a five-year-old. And I'm glad to see those. I hope we see more of those. And it's all out there. Just like you said, it's some untold people. Yeah. You know, people are just humble people. And look at today, we we found out about this officer that was in the car that reacted that it was a fake gun. We've never heard that. And we've heard this, we've heard this story before. He but, should have been given um, an award. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? And, and I think it's also... A missed opportunity by the city of Buffalo and the police department to not tell that story. Yeah, right. You know, uh, but you know, sometimes I think um, you know, um, great police work, uh, great police or uh, great work done by really all public servants uh, goes unnoticed. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it should be put out there because right. I think yeah. it offsets what you know some of the bad stuff that maybe happens throughout the country. Yeah, remember, I mean, what is it, 350 million people in the United States? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people, a lot of incidents that happen every single day. And how many of the outcomes are positive? And we just don't talk about them because 
that's where we're, yeah. it's not it's sexy to talk it's about. It's not. It's what's supposed to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then after the incident, I found this out. You didn't go on IOD. You kept working. Is I, that correct? I I did. I came back, and um, I I needed to come back. You know, I needed to yeah. come back. The toughest part coming back was, um, you know, as a father, uh, my my two daughters, uh, uh, Annie and Sarah, they would ask, so what do you do at work? I go, well, I type up reports, you know. And uh, if you guys ever saw me typing, <laughs> <laughs> they had to say what. What the hell does the uh, department hire, you know? I mean, I'm a two-finger uh, typist, you know, but uh, they, uh, it was tough, you know, because uh, they didn't want to let me out of their sight and stuff like that, and they saw the news stories, and, you know, you try to, you know, protect your, your kids and stuff like that, sure. you know, unlike what our parents did, <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> you know? But uh, a whole different generation of parents, Um but yeah, I went back to work and I worked another nine years and um, I retired um, under my terms. I was ready to retire and uh, and um, I retire. I then, you know, uh, start working in as, as an investigator uh, for the Erie County Bar Association Sign Council Program and um, also work, you know, security uh, with uh, a couple partners of mine uh, doing movie security. And I decided to buy a boat because I always wanted a boat, but I have no idea how to navigate the waters. <laughs> so I'd buy this boat that I could sleep at. And, uh, yeah. But um, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah. It wasn't enough, you know. Well, I mean, you talk about the security. You were working on The, the Quiet Place, the, bi the big movie here. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tremendous, tremendous project for the city, for the county. It was, it brought so much many dollars into um, our community uh, hotels restaurants union carpenters plumbers electricians the teamsters and you know the truck drivers security mm -hmm. uh, catering it, it's like they did two weddings a day they were feeding people breakfast lunch and dinner and you should have seen the spreads i mean it wasn't <laughs> like you know a, a big plate of pasta and uh, your yeah, beef on whack that we're normally, yeah. <laughs> normally used to. It was incredible, it really incredible. And uh, so it created a lot of jobs, brought in a lot of uh, money to the uh, economy here. And it was just uh, really great to see all the work that goes into. I mean, we, we sit down and watch a movie and we're like, oh, they probably took two minutes to do. That's incredible. And uh, a lot of work goes into it. A lot of behind the scenes people that you know, you, you see the actors, but those behind-the-scenes people are the ones that make it happen. Um, and then just a the great talent that came, you know, uh, to the area. Uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, who um, uh, we we had personal security on, on, on the uh, stars. And there was um, uh, a lot of guys that wanted to do the personal security for Emily Blunt, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to see a lot of that, uh, hopefully, now with these studios coming and everything. Yeah, it's that'll really be, booming. Oh, really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. We we just uh, finished up. Uh, we'll be finishing up a job t tomorrow. It's a, uh, um, it's still you know um, under wraps the the storyline, but it's a, uh, it's a horror movie, Amish horror movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, they say that they're just like economically, they're cheap to make horror flicks. So. 
that there's gonna be a lot of them made here. Probably. Yeah, that's yeah. what I hear. Well, and then you're gonna throw your hat to the ring here. Yes, because you know I was too happy being retired. <laughs> wasn't uh, enough. <laughs> wasn't enough. Just uh, being happy at home and uh, and trying to learn how to operate a. Uh, uh, a boat and uh it just i heard relaxed. you just throw a bunch of money at boats oh yeah like, bust out another thousand well, that's what boats i'm a dock for. rat so <laughs> the, the gas prices don't affect me <laughs> i just clean the boat and uh i know there's a bilge pump everybody's like my bilge pump <laughs> went on the thing yeah. <laughs> every time i don't even know what it is yeah yeah <laughs> that was funny he asked me how many screws <laughs> Engine screws. I'm like, oh yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> How about another beer? Yeah, uh, boat lingo. You're like, yeah, yeah. Spare topsiders. But uh, you know, with with COVID and uh, and being retired and, and and seeing what was going on, and I watched way too much uh, news when I was uh, retired, and uh, I was watching, uh, you know, everything that was happening. The how this country just got divided. So. It's just like that, too, you know? Incredible. I thought we were going to come out of COVID being closer. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, being... everybody's going to go back to the mall. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, hey, we really, you know, survived this, and we lost a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, look at all the people we lost in nursing homes and, and uh, you know, first responders, the great work that the nurses and doctors did. I thought we were going to come out of it, like, like more like kumbaya and loving yeah. each other a little bit more, but we haven't, you mm-hmm. know. And and then the the uh, the disrespect towards law enforcement and and all types of authority. And you know, it's not because I'm a cop, but you know, it's just teachers and everything else. It just seems like it, this this it's gone wild, you know. So well, one of the things that I that I thought, John, is when I was a kid, we would have the dare guys. We would have the police officers as kids. Is that something you might want to do as sheriff is get get back into the schools and and maybe show these guys we're not bad guys. Law and order is good. Cops your friend. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, you're stealing some of my platform (laughs) (laughs) and agenda. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. I want to bring the deputies into the schools. And, and show them that their fathers, uncles, husbands, just like, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably their soccer coaches and baseball coaches, what I used to do, you know, when I had kids. And, uh, and uh, take them into the schools and, 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 and talk to the kids and, and just let them know, hey, listen, we're here to help you out. I mean, th- that's why we get into this, you know, business, let's say, of law enforcement is to help people. And... I got to tell you, I 99.9% of the people in any profession, they want to do good for, right? you know, the customer, yeah. in, in our case, the, the public. Um, and uh, But going into the schools would help. Going into the community would help for people to see that we're just human beings. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. And you can't lump everybody, everything together. Absolutely I think that's not. important. Yeah. Like, you know, for example, if, if a doctor's operating on someone and they unfortunately lose their patient, not all doctors are horrible people. Right. right. You know, yeah. you can't, you know, but right now, 
you know the the outlook towards uh, law enforcement. I don't I don't mean by everyone. Right. Yeah. Right. Because we don't want to lump everything together. It, it's yeah. a small amount of people, really. Uh, that, but you know, I I say you you want uh, law enforcement well uh, wear body cameras. I'm all for it. You know, yeah. I think everybody should in public. That's <laughs> work in the public. You know, yeah. uh, have the county executive walk around with a. Uh, Body cam, <laughs> see what he does all day, and so forth and so on. You Those know, the chicken and pizza works probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, at least it, at least it has good taste then. Yeah, yeah. yeah get some pork chops. <laughs> but the one thing I have uh, found out about you that uh, there was a the relationship between the county and the city when you were with uh, the Buffalo Police Department, you helped bridge the gap. I've been told by uh, people you've worked with that the county and city relationship grew after you started kind of, are you are you uh what's the word i'm looking for building consensus between yeah are, are, are you a camaraderie guy where you're playing for the front and not the back and i think maybe that's what the sheriff's department needs absolutely yeah you know i i, I think Throughout my my life, wherever I worked, and I don't want to go back to the restaurant business, <laughs> but as you know, um, there's different personalities, yeah. and uh, and some people, you know, are not very flexible. <laughs> Sometimes, and you're like, oh my god, don't put that bartender working with this bartender that night, oil and water <laughs> and stuff like that. And it happens in all the professions, you know. But uh, when I worked in the uh, uh, in the city narcotics department. Um, you know, everybody wants to protect their own turf, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, listen, the more the merrier. Let's yeah. bring in great people from uh, the sheriff's office. And if, if somebody from Hamburg or Lackawanna or Amherst PD calls with a narcotics issue, you know, you always know it originates in the city of, of Buffalo, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's how it works. I would answer my phone. I would say, what do you need? Let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So pull it all together. We got absolute, a lot of resources. Smart it's a, people. It's a team. It's a team, and that's what we do. We uh, we work together. I want to bring that to the sheriff's office, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, with the Erie County Sheriff's, uh, you you cover the entire county, you know. So you do have jurisdiction all over. But you could be that that team builder where you bring, you know, maybe Amherst and Hamburg and city of Buffalo together on it on investigation because you know drugs and illegal guns and everything else it, it's not like they stop at the border and they go okay don't cross uh yeah. you know Bailey you're going into Amherst now <laughs> yeah. you know, so you have to work with other people and at the end of the day it's not about accolades it's about getting the work done right so I don't want a trophy I don't right. want a plaque I I just want the whatever the issues get taken care of and when I said about, you know, um, you know, those bodies being on the ground with the uh, overdose and stuff like that, um, you know, it, it's all over the all over the Erie County. And if we could work together as a team mm-hmm. and get the, the bad dope out of a house immediately before somebody else buys a, another bad bag, let's do it. I don't care who it is and who takes the arrest or who whatever. So. Um, yeah, the county, I'll tell you, Erie County has a great, uh, great uh, team of uh, men and women in the correctional facilities, you know, detectives, the deputy, the road deputies, um, 
everything. I, I'll tell you, it's a great group, and I just want to make it a great place to work. I'm not doing this because of money, and I'm not doing this because of the Eagle. It's a perfect time. The sheriff, who's uh, retiring after 16 years, I just met him back in October, and we had a great conversation, and he said, you're the guy. Um, I think you, you'd be a great uh, sheriff. And, uh, you know, we're different people. We come, obviously, from different, <clears throat> oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, backgrounds. But um, I, I was honored that a guy with 50 years of law enforcement experience would say, um, yeah, I think, you, you know, you, you could really take this to another level. And that's what I want to do. I want to bring in people, the best people in for the job and surround me with the smartest people. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. Absolutely. I, I, I don't need a chief that is my best friend. I need a chief that gets the job done. We don't have to go out for lunch. Mm -hmm. Just do your job. Yeah. Right. And let's. this is a customer service business, just like any other business. Let's give the best service, in, in, in this case, protection and, you know, uh, yeah. service. What so. do we have, like three prisons? And then it, is there waterways that are involved in this too? I know some... Counts. So there's there's two two uh, f correctional facilities. There's oh, yeah. the one in Alden, mm -hmm. um, and 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 the and the one that's difficult is uh, the holding center because you gotta remember everybody that comes into the holding center is coming in hot. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, they just got arrested. They they might have some mental wellness issues. Sometimes not diagnosed. Um, they might have you know um, substance abuse. Uh, issues. Uh, they they just got arrested. They might think I'm going to lose my my spouse. I'm going to lose my job. You know, so it's not like once your your trial is taken care of and now you've been stabilized, let's say, both mm -hmm. mentally and physically, and now you're going into a correctional facility for three years, you know, and or five years. When you're at the holding center, I mean, you're you're just your emotional level is yeah. through the roof, you know. Yeah. So it's a tough place, and and I I know that you know there's been some some deaths and stuff like that. But when people want to take their lives, it's tough to stop them. And we don't have the 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 opportunity to have a one-on-one -on -one supervision for people. But I want to improve the screening if. If the person's not ready to come into the correctional facility, they won't. They won't be coming in. They'll be going to ECMC. Mm -hmm. And if ECMC can't take them, they need they need to big uh, build another wing because it's a it's a health issue. It's mm -hmm. not a correctional supervision issue. And especially after COVID, mental health is, is in a lot of trouble. So now we got to add on to that from normal times. So yeah. I, I think you bring up good points there. That we have to address the issue at the door somehow. Things get lost in the shuffle. Nobody's perfect. Absolutely. But, yeah, we do cover, I want to say it's like 90, 100 miles of waterways. <laughs> Good thing you have a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I could only leave the dock. <laughs> and <laughs> But there's, a, you know, a tremendous uh, uh, unit, uh, be it the Marine unit, the uh, aviation, uh, the SWAT team. Um, you know, it's just the sheriff's office is is a tremendous, tremendous asset to the county. And this year it's the two, 200th anniversary of the sheriff's office. And uh, and I, I like history. Yeah. Um, and, 
you know, Grover Cleveland. Yeah, he's a sh- he was yeah. an Erie County sheriff and a two time president. <laughs> yeah, good sh- and, and not not in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 24th and 26th. Yeah. I hear Trump might be uh, a, a two-time. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm just trying yeah, to stir right. it up a little. <laughs> you never know. Well, yeah. you, you know, keeping it light, you, you ever been on a horse? Because that, that's one of the things you're going to have yeah, to do. do you, is there a stable master or something? So um, uh, Mickey Kearns told me this. He goes, uh, John, this is how you should answer that, this question. I could ride a horse or I could walk. I'd rather walk. That way I'm closer to the people. <laughs> I go, right. wow, yeah. that is good because you know what? I can't ride a horse. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to get some of those political things. You don't seem like you're a, a politician to me. You know, you seem more grounded. No, you you, you very down to earth here. Uh, you know, a law enforcement guy. You, you have a platform, but it seems to me like you got to go in there and see what's going on first. There's a, maybe there's some things that you know that are going on. But I think you're going to get in there, review the administration, and then put in the smart people. And that's everything I've heard today when I was talking to people that you know. Yeah. I think like in any business, um, leadership. Uh, people want a leader. You, you have to repeat your message. And the message is this. Professional law enforcement serve with compassion, with empathy, train, uh, best training, best equipment. You know, I I don't think there's a uh, there's a secret, uh, but what you get is that you're serving um, people that sometimes, well, a lot of times when you call nine one one, you're not at your best. Mm-hmm. When you're going into the holding center, you're not at your best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's a lot of factors, law enforcement we can't control, but we could be trained to you know, be two plays ahead and, and, and kind of be ready for whatever comes our way. And we need good training and good equipment. We have good people. We have good people. I mean, we have dedicated public servants that are ready. And um, so I want to go in there, be a leader, and um, and serve the public and take care of the people that are working there because day in and day out, they're doing a great job. And nobody really notices because you're expected to do that job. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see a line from uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, gentlemen that I, I talked to, um, one of the deputies. And he said it's like being a uh, offensive tackle. That you could play a great game and a defensive end gets around you one play and takes out your quarterback. And you're, you're being looked at, you know, not as a whole of what you've done, but just – one split second, yeah, and it yeah. goes back to the split second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the way I see it, you got on the Republican side, you got a little bit of a crowded penalty box here. <laughs> there's there's a lot of ca- – how many candidates are there now? We, what are we, so six? There's only – so I'm running in a Republican primary uh, on June 22nd, and um, it's myself – and um, and my opponent, and then the other side, the Democrats have um, uh, three candidates, so we're down to let's say five. Okay, so after okay. June twenty second, uh, we'll have two. We'll have uh, one on the Democratic side, 
and one on the Republican side, unless someone wants to do a like an independent, mm-hmm. their own party, right. which is always, of course, difficult. Um, I have been um, given the opportunity to, um, aside from the Republican uh, Party, to uh, get two smaller parties, which uh, one of them is Back to Blue, which I'm very proud of. Uh, yeah. It goes without saying what Back to Blue is about. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty simple, law and order, but, you know. And then uh, the other party is the, the Guardian Party, and um, it's a uh, group of people that just want to protect our Bill of Rights. Um, they're uh, big Second Amendment um, uh, advocates, as I am. Um, I think the Second Amendment kind of protects our rights, you know, freedom of speech and so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of silly to say I'm pro-Constitution, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I, I could tell you uh, uh, from my family immigrating here uh, from a dictatorship and then uh, studying in Spain uh, still, you know, 1975, 76 and 77, that people whispered when they talked about politics. And mm-hmm. we take it for granted, and uh, it's just um, something we should very much appreciate. You know, uh, in, in, in our country, we could become really whatever we want, you know. And that's just, the beauty yeah. of it. Just work hard and, and be a good good guy, and, you know, it'll, it'll happen. It's really not hard to be a good person. You it know? really yeah. isn't, is it? goes a long way. Please, yeah, you know, please and thank you. And yeah, hold you know, the door. And, you know, the you know, social hold media. Hold the door. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. People with the phones, you know, it's like um, they can text you everything, but they can't serve you a milkshake. You know, they can't serve you a coffee. With, like, look you in the face and say thank you. It's like, it's like, did we just have an awkward transaction here? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like people lost it. Like, younger we, we've generations lost, lost We've it. lost something there. Yeah. 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 You yeah. made a great point. Holding the door. I still, I just cringe every time. I see, you know, uh, there's a, a woman behind me, and not to be, you know, whatever, a man or woman, but an elderly woman or something. You can't just hold the door for a well, person. And that's why these masks are great. I was at the Galleria Mall, and I seen that. I said, hold the door, asshole. And the guy didn't know who said it because I had a mask on, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. But just, uh, you know, it, it just thank people, too, you know, uh, Everyone, you know, especially during COVID, we've seen uh, so many people step up, uh, you know, um, obviously from nurses and doctors and everyone else that keep keep us going to uh, just how about restaurants? Yeah. Delivering food, because after a while, my God, my wife and I ran out of choices. I mean, (laughs) you know. It's like, well, (laughs) yeah. And you know what? You bring up the restaurants. I got to ask you this because I deal with it. We had sheriffs going with the health department. What's your feeling on that? So, um, it was I, to protect them, not to scare us. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think everyone knows where um, Sheriff Howard stands with uh, Governor <laughs> Cuomo and his, uh, you know, not laws, but uh, ethics that come from Albany. But, mm-hmm. you know, they went there, yeah, to just protect because that's what you know the uh, law enforcement does protect. And know? I said and to people, don't don't take it out on these sheriffs. They're absolutely. just doing their job. Why, they're yeah. Doing what they're told. And no they one's going to go after anybody from the health department. Not around yeah. here. At least. <laughs> oh my God! It, it's uh, it, that was a that was a tough one. And 
you know, I, I, I know the, the deputies were criticized. They were criticized for just doing their job and going there. But um, absolutely, I, 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 I'm not happy with um, how the county executive and the health department has, and especially our governor, has, you know, been treating small business and uh, basically killed it. Yeah. Killed it. You know, right. I, I don't know if it's going to come back, you know, and uh, I really hope it does. But, um, yeah, you know, law enforcement's there to protect and to serve. That's it. Yeah. Uh, we don't make the laws. Uh, we don't make the regulations. We, you know, we could see what, what's happening, what the trends are, and, and maybe, you know, suggest what could be done to improve safety and so forth. But we basically enforce, just enforce, you know. Um, and a lot of people are like, uh, well, are you going to enforce this as a sheriff? Are you going to enforce that? Um, I'm not going to enforce anything that's going to go after law-abiding people and their constitutional rights. <laughs> you know? That's a good point. And I'm going to ask the, the public, what do you want to enforce? Um, for example, in the penal law, um, I'm sure, you know, you, you, the public wants to enforce, you know, illegal guns. Uh, drug dealers, do you want me to go and charge people with adultery? Because that's still on the books. Yeah. Right. You want to right. back up a couple buses and we'll put people in there. And uh, <laughs> So I guess where do you want the resources to go? And I'm going li to listen to the public, and, 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 and that's what we're going to do. You know. Yeah. And then you got the stadium downtown. You guys are uh, security outside. What do you think of that? I, I, I think the, the public's got to settle down little bit it's a sporting event it's entertainment we don't need to hurt each other i mean you can have your pops but <laughs> take it easy and these guys are just doing their jobs out there you know yeah. i think that like the stadium out there is probably great for the sheriffs when you bring it into this it's probably gonna be madness if you ever if, did that yeah if you ever get downtown if oh if you get downtown yeah. you know it, it, it you lose that whole culture of tailgating and everything else yeah. uh, i went to see a uh, football game in pittsburgh and it's downtown, and it's cool because afterwards you cross the bridge and you hit a bar and mm -hmm. you grab a couple of beers and stuff like that. But that tailgating and uh, going there, and you know how people arrive on Friday, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you know, <laughs> so they're there cooking and and drinking. And you got you have the fans that go there and they make gourmet dinners, and you know they open some wine and they have some drinks and stuff. Then they go there and they have a great time. Then there's the other crowd that just shouldn't even be allowed into the stadiums because you we've all seen those people, right? Yeah. yeah. They kept and, it alive for a lot of years though. When oh, we were bad. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I would have I would have taken my, my kids to the games for the longest time because yeah. my God, you know. So that's a tough job. And with what is it, eighty thousand, seventy five thousand plus, yeah. yeah. Um and all the incidents that could happen and yeah. There was an incident that occurred, unfortunate, but, you know, times eight. Yeah. You know, times 80,000 people. and One little incident in years. And a lot of intoxicated people. Yeah. There's been a lot of de-escalation being done in uh, some probably hotly contested <laughs> situations. Yeah. And uh, But, hey, listen. We're never going to be perfect, right? No. Never right. going to be perfect, but at least have the culture and 
a leader that's going to say, let's try to make it perfect. Let's, that's what we strive to do and not look the other way. Mm-hmm. And be transparent. When it does happen, right. you're going to see me there front and center answering it and saying, this is what happened. Or you can't talk about it because, you know, of all the yeah. lawsuits. Yeah. Or this is what happened in, you know, the following. Right. Well, you know? I think that you're what we need. Uh, we don't really endorse candidates, but I think we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna endorse John Garcia for sheriff here. Way I see it, we got Gould versus Garcia after uh, June twenty second. When, when would be the general election then? Uh, I, November fourth. November fourth. Okay, no, I mean, we're gonna yeah. stay. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it's really just about getting people out to vote. I think it's just. Oh my god! And you gotta crazy. vote, no matter who you vote for. You gotta get out and vote. Just vote, Jesus, man. You know what? I ask the people to please get out and vote. Get out and vote because. Especially, you know, in the primary. Listen, it's in June, June 22nd. Uh, right when the weather is going to get cut. It's getting really <laughs> nice out. We're finally like, let's get out there. Uh, first communions, uh, high school graduations, uh, kids coming back from college. It's nice out. You know, do you really want to go vote? You got to get out and vote because you know what? We're very, very lucky we're able to vote. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, you coming from your background you know yes absolutely and the sacrifices people have made for us in, t- to be able to vote so get out there and vote if you vote for me even better thank you so much <laughs> but but the important part is yes get out there and vote in june and get out there and vote in november well, well good luck well marky that's what i could say i know nothing about it <laughs> he's, he's a good communicator he's a good negotiator and now he's licensed to talk john garcia thank you very much Gentlemen, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.